Hello and welcome once again to another edition of Screen Facts with Jason Davis. And once again, I'm joined by my beautiful and wonderful wife, Sue. Thank you for having me back, honey. Anytime. This is fun doing this This is a lot of fun. Absolutely. Uh, So the movie that we're going to talk about today is a movie that when we first met and started dating, I thought about this. Okay was a movie that we we started talking about different movies, and this one came up, and then we both started quoting back and forth. Which I don't even do that often. I barely ever quote films. That's more of a guy thing anyway. I think guys are really known. In fact, I've read articles about this. I think it is a scientific fact. Yes, guys are about quoting movies. Women, usually not as much. No. It's more of a guy thing. So when a woman quotes a movie, you know that that's a very funny and quotable movie. (laughs) It is super quotable. So the movie that we're going to talk about today is not a movie that was a huge blockbuster no no what film fans would call a cult comedy really (laughs) well sign me up for that cult the movie is better off dead wahoo (laughs) (laughs) so this is one of two movies directed by a guy named savage steve holland back in the mid 80s the second movie was called one crazy summer oh that's fun too which is also a lot of fun it has a lot of the same people in the cast but it's not a sequel to this right right so better off dead was released october 11th 1985 i definitely remember seeing this movie in the theaters because i remember seeing the commercials in the trailer the scene where he's in the dumpster and he drives by (laughs) yes and the guy's working on the telephone pole And he sees John Cusack and he says, man, that's a shame when folks be throwing away a perfectly good white boy like that. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. I saw that. Yeah, definitely. But, um, and then of course, this was a movie that was on HBO and, uh, you know, other yeah, cable channels that's over true. and over again. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, that's that's how it became a, a, you know, I probably a cult had the, classic. the tape of it when the, the videotape came out. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Written and directed by Savage Steve Holland, as I mentioned. The stars of the film, John Cusack, David Ogden Steers. Oh, from MASH. Is it Steers or Styers? I have no idea. Oh, well, whatever, either way. Curtis Armstrong. Curtis Armstrong, who's a great character actor who's done uh, some other classic 80s comedies, Revenge of the Nerds and Risky Business. Oh, uh, was he um, the nerd TV guy now? Yes. King of the Nerds? King he, of the Nerds? He's one of the co-hosts of King of the yeah. Nerds on TBS as well. Too funny. He doesn't even seem like he's changed that much. Better known as uh, as Booger, Dudley Dawson in the Revenge of the Nerds yes. movie. Great. He's, yeah. he's, he's such a funny guy. And and I've had an opportunity to hear him in interviews on, on some other podcasts. And he's a great interview because not only does he tell great stories. I hear he dishes the dirt. He does. But he's also just entertaining. He's very funny and just yeah. a great, yeah. great guy. And Kim Darby plays uh, John Cusack's mother. Oh, right. Okay. And Amanda Weiss was the, the girl, Beth. Oh, okay. So filmed from November 1984 through February 1985. I think we were very lucky to be teenagers in the 1980s. That's when so many of these great movies came out. And I don't know. They just, it just feels like they haven't come out with these kind of movies. Yeah, no. It doesn't seem like it, does right? it? I mean, and it's not even because we're older. Right. Because if they come out with a quote-unquote teen comedy now, I'm all over that. Mm-hmm. Still. I mean, you know, <laughs> he's my he age. Is. He is. Yeah, I love that kind of stuff. Like, you know, uh, in the 90s, they came out with Clueless, which was done by the same director as Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which okay. is a classic okay. 80s comedy. And uh, I, I enjoyed it just as much. Yeah. And if something like that came out now, I'd, be, I'd totally be down with it. Yeah, but they're too busy making action movies <laughs> and comic book heroes come to life movies. That's true, actually. This was something I read. I was really bummed when I read this. Savage Steve Holland said in an interview that John Cusack hated this movie. He walked out, uh, they did a special screening of the movie while they were getting ready to film One Crazy Summer. And John Cusack walked out of the screening 20 minutes in. Holland said that the next morning, Cusack basically walked up to him and said, you know, you tricked me. 
Better Off Dead was the worst thing I've ever seen. I'll never trust you as a director ever again, so don't speak to me. In fact, he was so upset he didn't want to do One Crazy Summer, but he was under contract already. When I read that, and, and to this day, John Cusack, when he's doing interviews, will not talk about this movie. I don't understand that. I mean, sure, okay, be a serious actor and have all these great movies under your belt. There's nothing wrong with something like this on your resume. I don't, I don't get it. He's done a lot of great movies. No, he has. He you has. know, some serious, some not as serious, but not as goofy as this movie. Right, right. But he's a working actor. I mean, he's continued his career. Part of the interview that I had read about mm -hmm. said that um, Savage Steve Holland and John Cusack were friends. Okay. And when Holland developed the movie in conversations with Cusack, he just looked at him one day and he was like, you're my lane. Okay. You know, and like they were, they actually were buddies and friends before they started working on it. And he said that Cusack saw the dailies every day. Okay. And he was part of the editing process. Oh, wow. And that still, 20 minutes into the movie, he was acting all, oh, I'm surprised by this. Yeah, I, that's... It makes no sense to me. The other thing, too, is that, you know, when actors are younger and earlier on in their career, this was one of the early movies that Cusack had done. I mean, he had done smaller roles and he was in 16 Candles, the great John Hughes movie. He played one of Anthony Michael Hall's character's friends. Oh, right, right. Okay. You know, and maybe he'd done, he had done one or two other things prior to that. But early on in your career, it's okay to do something that, you know, some might look at further down your career and you're doing more serious roles and go, wow. Uh, one of the examples that I always think of is Tom Hanks when he first started okay. out. He did a movie called Bachelor Party, which is another cult comedy, right, which right. I will which I will most definitely be talking about on this podcast down the road. I have a good buddy of mine that's going to do that one with me because uh, we're both big fans of the film. But Bachelor Party, you know, is a, one of those movies, again, became a really big cult classic after it had been on HBO and stuff. Okay. I'm sure Tom Hanks looks back at that movie and goes, wow, like, you know, I won two Oscars in a row and that you look at that and it's like, yikes. But I don't think he's ever publicly said, oh, I hate talking about that movie. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, movie parts can act as stepping stones, though, too. I mean, think about anyone who's successful in any business. You start mm -hmm. off and maybe you don't want to talk about some of the early jobs you've had to get to where you are. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think. Know. I don't know why Cusack doesn't have a, a better sense of humor about this movie. So many people love this movie. It's not it's, like it's, you know, yeah. he should be ashamed or anything. No. And so. he's great at, like, all the physical comedy he does and stuff. And that's not easy. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. I mean, you know, I can understand him not wanting to do a movie like this nowadays. Although, not that long ago, he did Hot Tub Time Machine, which was oh. kind of goofy. Does he so, talk about that or did he walk out 20 minutes after that filming? Far, I would have. As far as I know, he, uh, he, he didn't, you know, he wasn't upset with that movie. Uh, but Interesting. Uh, I, that's a fun movie too, though. I mean, it's not you know. I don't think it's destined to be the classic. This one is, but so this yeah, well, movie. Can you quote from there? Can you quote anything from there? I've only seen it once or twice, oh, so okay. you know, I might have to revisit that one at some okay. point. According to Savage Steve Holland, the film is mostly autobiographical too, which is kind of sad when you think about it. <laughs> it is pretty terrible. Yeah, he was. Um, he said he was actually suicidal when his high school girlfriend broke up with him for the captain of the ski team. Mm -hmm. I think didn't he actually try once with the um, extension cord yeah. to hang himself and it didn't work. Yeah, he and like ended, he landed in a garbage can or something. He land hit the weight um, ended up breaking the pipe that he was attached <laughs> right, to. Right, right, right. And he fell into a garbage can, and his mom came, found him, and said, "You broke the pipe, right, you dummy." Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then he started writing down all interesting ways that you could kill yourself. Exactly, and that and, and that became the basis for this I movie. I think so, right? And he also had he really had a paper boy when he was growing up. Yes, <laughs> named Johnny, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. who would harass him for two dollars. Oh, that's right, because he said, you know, he was a latchkey kid. Okay. Raise your hand if you were a latchkey kid in the 80s. I was. I'm raising my hand. Our right hands now. are up. Yep. Um, and he said that the paper boy would come over and like knock on the door and be like, 
you know, I want my two dollars. And he'd be like, I'm a student. I have no money. I go to high school. I don't have money. And the kid would sit across the street on the curb and wait for one of the parents to come home. Oh, my God. How annoying that would be. (laughs) And then it turned out that his girlfriend, who broke up with him, his ex-girlfriend, contacted him when the movie came out and apologized for for breaking up with him. She broke his little heart. I wonder what ever happened to her. It's interesting how this movie came about, too. Well, uh, Henry Winkler was an early supporter. Now, he had seen a short film Holland made, and he liked it so much that he gave Holland part of his office at Paramount so he could write Better Off Dead. The Fonz. I don't know if that happens as much these days when they're making movies. Uh, I don't know. People, that's the thing. Veterans that that have a little bit of power in Hollywood Mm -hmm. need to get behind young filmmakers, you know, because there's probably a lot of great ideas out there that never see the light of day. I would imagine so. Because there's too many high-powered, so to speak, producers that just like you know regurgitates uh, old tv shows and and things like that so curtis armstrong who plays lane's friend charles damar in the movie he was the first one to be cast savage steve was a big fan of his work uh, that he'd done on risky business and revenge of the nerds and he actually reached out and contacted curtis who was working on the set of uh, a movie called clan of the cave bear which actually came out a year after better off dead but he was filming it prior to better off dead was that the the one with daryl hannah yeah Oh yeah, gosh. I didn't even realize he was in that, but he told Did the story. Did anybody have lines in that movie? I don't know. I'm not sure. I've never seen it, I'll be honest I with you. I want to say that I may it, have seen part of it and just couldn't get over it. Yeah, but Curtis read the script. It, it made him laugh so much that he signed on. And, and actually, these two guys have gone on to work together on a lot of things. Some of the things that they've done include some animation projects. One, <laughs> We talked about some of the lines in the movie. So there's a scene where they're, they're at the ski slope. And they're confronted by the, the, the captain of the ski team, oh, Roy the jerky, Stalin. Yeah, yeah, the jerky new boyfriend. He comes up, Roy Stalin, the captain of the ski team. And he's got that uh, kind yeah. of deep Robert Wagner kind of voice. Right, and he's got that <laughs> 80s annoying haircut, right. that blonde, like, side-swept hair. He's the guy that the unpopular people hated in high school. Right, right, <laughs> <Okay>? right. <laughs> so he goes, uh, he says to Lane's girlfriend, Beth, he says, My, you look like you'd be a good little helper. What's your name? <laughs> And then, and then Curtis Armstrong's character goes, Charles DeMar. <laughs> that line was actually improvised. Curtis Armstrong improvised that one of the t- during one of the takes. Oh my gosh, that's great. Uh, I think he actually did it. Uh, maybe they were like practicing. It was like a rehearsal yeah, or something. Yeah. And he did it. And, and, you know, it cracked the actor who played Stalin. It cracked right. him up so much. He said to Savage Steve, oh, check this out. And yeah, he did yeah, it. Yeah. And, they, and they put it in the yeah. movie. Oh, because it's, and it's like a throwback too to the cafeteria scene where Stalin says something and Curtis oh, Armstrong just makes a big deal out of laughing at it oh, for yeah, such but, a long time that it becomes annoying back to Stalin again. He says to Lane and Charles who are sitting at the table, he says to them, oh, what a cute date you have. Right, right. You better right. shave her a little bit closer before you kiss her goodnight right, or something right. like yeah, that. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that, Curtis is just, you know, <laughs> And he's doing the, oh, I'm crying, laughing, yeah, and all of that. And then he keeps going up to him at the and, dance yeah. and repeating it. It's <laughs> great. And I remember seeing that and thinking, I've got to like, keep that up my sleeve for when someone gives me a hard time with something. <laughs> Speaking of the dance, um, Beth, Amanda Weiss, she shows up at the high school dance. The person that's standing behind her is wearing a Freddy Krueger sweater. I never noticed that. I never did either, but I've got to look for it next time yeah. you watch the movie. As it turns out, Amanda Weiss played Freddy Krueger's first victim in A Nightmare on Elm Street, and she also played Woody's girlfriend on Cheers for a few episodes. The character's name that was Woody's girlfriend? Beth. So I'm assuming that it's a different character completely. I probably. Yeah, yeah. I would think. And the school that was used for the dance scene 
uh, was actually the same school that was used in 16 Candles. So that's kind of a cool thing, too. So John Cusack worked in two different movies in that gym. Dan Schneider was the actor who played Ricky. Ricky! <laughs> Lane's neighbor. Ricky. So there's a scene at the dance. Lane walks out of the dance and he sees Monique, which is the French foreign exchange student, and they start talking. Ricky's holding a balloon and he's running with the balloon and he gets to a point and the balloon slips out of his hands and then he jumps up after it trying to catch it and it gets away. That was also improvised. Oh, what a riot. And Clint Howard, Ron Howard's uh, kind of infamous right, brother, right. He's, been in, he's been in probably every Ron Howard movie. Yeah. He was actually considered for the part of Ricky Smith too. Oh my gosh, I couldn't imagine. I think... The thing about that that makes Ricky really funny is that he's just kind of a really strange, like he's a big guy and he's dorky and he wears dorky clothes and he's got the glasses, glasses and he, the nasal spray and the whole oh, thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. They probably, Clint Howard probably would have been good for that, but physically his stature is different than Dan Schneider. Right. So I guess it depends if they were looking for the kind of the, the big kid as yeah, opposed yeah. to just the real nerdy, weird looking mm -hmm. kid. So there's a scene where they're in the cafeteria where he decides he's going to ask out this cheerleader type, Chris Kremens. Lane, know? she dates the basketball team. Not a member of the basketball <laughs> team. The whole basketball team. Right. <laughs> Actually, before he approaches her, she comes into the, into the cafeteria and she sits down with the team. And I don't know why. For some reason, they're all eating baby food. Yeah, I don't know what that's about. <laughs> it's it's, it must have been an inside joke or something. I guess. I had never noticed that yeah, until we, we just watched it you know, recently. Yeah. I'm like, and, is that baby food? I know. Weird, right? Yeah. This movie did not have a huge budget. Holland was not an established director, so I guess they just wanted to... Yeah, you know, well, he had a borrowed space to write it in, so... There you go. Yeah. So they, they only spent about $3 million on this movie. That sounds like a lot of money, but, you know, making movies costs a lot more than yeah. that usually. So Savage Steve said that they were only allowed to do, really, a couple of takes of each scene to get it, because they just didn't have the time yeah, or the, or the yeah. resources. Losing <laughs> daylight. Yeah, exactly. So there was one scene that took a lot of takes. The scene of Kim Darby, who plays Lane's mother, she pulls out, uh, you know, a recipe that she made from... <laughs> The, the Better Homes and Gardens recipe yeah. that she makes. But some of the, the the mail got wet and the pages stuck together, so she improvised. Right. So yeah. she pulls out this green goop. <laughs> it has raisins in it. You like raisins. <laughs> um, I kid you not. My mom, my mom, God rest her soul, had said something like that. You know, at it's least got one. such and such in it. You yeah, like you that. Like so. yeah, exactly. You like that. Exactly. Yeah. So she pulls out this green goop. And thankfully, oh my, my mom God. never made anything that looked oh like that. Oh, my gosh. And she takes a spoonful and she's going to put it on the plate. And it just, she turns the spoon over to put it on the plate. And it just kind of hangs there for a couple of seconds. So um, that scene cracked everybody up so much. In fact, Savage Steve Holland said he literally had to hide under a table because he was giggling so much. Oh my gosh. The great thing, Kim Darby did it with a straight face every single time. It took about 25 takes. She never broke. That's a pro right That's there. That's a pro. That probably helped everybody to laugh so much was her straight face mm -hmm. as the stuff is glopping off of her spoon and then yeah. as it slides off of his plate. Yeah. How do you not laugh at that? Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> One of the reoccurring jokes in the movie is that, you know, once Beth breaks up with Lane, everybody in town is saying, Lane, uh, I hope you don't mind if I ask Beth out. <laughs> Even the um, geometry teacher right, is going to exactly. wants to date her. Exactly. One of the characters that actually says that to Lane is Barney Rubble on the TV. Oh, that's right. He walks, he comes into the house and the, Barney the, Rubble's on the TV. Yeah, the Flintstones are on. Yeah. And, uh, gee, uh, Lane, I know it's a little weird, you, you know, me being a cartoon, cartoon character. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't mind if I asked Beth out. Oh, my gosh. 
So that so Barney Rubble, the voice of Barney Rubble, and then there's another reoccurring thing in the movie where uh, Lane pulls up at the stoplight and there's a, a car of like Asian guys <laughs> that want to race him every time they see right. him. One of them speaks no English. And the other one speaks like Howard Cosell. He learned by watching the wide world of sports. So the voice of Barney Rubble and the guy that does the Howard Cosell impression, the Asian guy, were both voiced by Rich Little, the famous impressionist. One of the characters that was going to approach Lane about asking out Beth in the movie was Charles DeMar, his best friend in the Aww. movie. I know. The test audiences hated that so much. They sure. said, he's got to have at least one friend that has his back. Absolutely. So, so they cut that out of the movie. Yeah. The scene that tested best with audiences was that famous claymation hamburger scene. Savage Steve insists he was not on drugs when he wrote that. If you've seen the scene, you probably would question that. You probably would. I have questioned that many times, but it I is love it. fun. I love it. It's great. The, the the hamburger that's playing a guitar a la Eddie Van Halen. Yeah, yeah. And uh, singing the Van Halen song, Everybody Wants Some. It's classic. Life, give my creature life. Actually, Savage Steve is, has done a lot of animation stuff. Uh, he did all the animation in this movie in One Crazy Summer. He's done some stuff, I think, for Nickelodeon as well. But he also designed and animated the Whammy. Remember the game show Pressure Luck? Oh, yeah, yeah. Big Bucks, no Whammy. Stop! <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, he designed like the Whammy would come out. If, uh, if somebody landed on a Whammy on the game show, the Whammy would come out and do a little dance or whatever, and, and all their money would and go away. Yeah, it would take all, took all your money away. <laughs> really funny That's stuff. Great. But he's gone on to do a lot of other things for uh, the Disney Channel and Nickelodeon. I believe such classics such as Lizzie McGuire, Zoe 101, and... Big Time Rush. Oh, classic. Yes. And he also wrote a draft of a script for a uh, remake of the movie Porky's, another teen comedy that was going to be produced by Howard Stern. It actually didn't get used, though. And I don't even know if it's ever going to get made. So, There's a lot of gags in this movie that are kind of reoccurring. Sometimes they happen later in the movie when you're not really expecting them, so it makes them even funnier. Right. I love the fact that the brother cuts out the sides and backs of cereal boxes to, to win all those contests. Right. And um, at one point, I think he even has cut part of the cat food box, yes. right? The Purina Cat Chow, because when Ling goes to feed the cat, it's just this trail of food coming out. And yeah, when his mom, when his mom leaves a, a post-it note on his on head, his head Lane, we went out, feed the cat, he wakes up from a nap. <laughs> and and with the cereal, the dad um, you know take is taking the boxes out of the cabinet, and mm-hmm. each one the cereal is pouring out of it because it's been cut. Because the, the kid just sits there; he doesn't have a single line in the entire movie. Yeah, but he just sits there at the table filling out these forms to win this and like grow sea monkeys and yeah. all that kind of stuff. What in the name of all that is holy? <laughs> Sea monkeys, they were great. Oh, they were. They were great. They were. Um, so one day the mailman, and who played the mailman again? Taylor Negron, right. another great character actor who sadly passed away last year or the year before. Right. But he delivers Badger this package in the discreet brown wrap, how to pick up trashy women. <laughs> it's like, Badger, what's a nice kid like you doing with a book like this with or something smut like, like that? This, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Lane comes home from the dance, and he finds Badger in his room. With all these trashy women. Well, obviously, him. the book is a success. Yeah, he finds all these trashy women. So the sad thing is his little brother is doing better with the chicks than he is. <laughs> That's right. And he's wearing like Hugh Hefner pajamas. Right, exactly. <laughs> all these women are in his bedroom. But the way the scene was shot was actually an homage to... A classic scene, The Graduate, that yep. shot of the, the lady's legs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mrs. Robinson. So some of the other uh, cast members have gone on to do other things since this movie, obviously. Dan Schneider, who played Ricky, has gone on to do a lot of things. Uh, the first thing that he... One of the first big successes he had after this movie was a sitcom called Head of the Class. 
since then, he's actually done a lot of work behind the scenes. He's done some acting still, too. But a lot of his uh, career has really been behind the scenes as a producer, uh, especially at Nickelodeon. And he's done a lot of really successful Nickelodeon shows. Oh, like iCarly, mm -hmm. Victorious, Drake and Josh, and all that. The actor who played Johnny the Paperboy? Oh, $2. Well, today, Damien Slade, he's writing and starring in a web series called Untreated. He describes it as The Office if The Office was a rehab instead of just an office. And if you want to check it out, write this down. It's YouTube.com slash user. Wait, slow down. I'm writing it down. Okay. Okay. YouTube.com slash user slash untreated the series, all one word. Well, I hope he gets paid more than just $2 an episode. <laughs> I don't know if he gets paid at all, to be honest. What? I mean, oh, I mean, you know, you can obviously right. monetize things on YouTube, no. uh, but I don't know how much he makes from that. Believe it or not, the 1967 Camaro SS scene in the film is still around. Wow. It was owned by the son of the transportation captain who sold the car in 1989. Okay, a few years after the movie. A few years after. Then in 2002, the Camaro was located at a private residence, but it was in poor condition. So Time Machines in Hudson, Florida, restored the car to the condition it was in the film. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. As of 2014, the Camaro has been seen at several car shows. Okay. So it's uh, got its own little career going yeah, on. It's kind of like the Batmobile. The <laughs> yeah, it's like the Batmobile. Yeah. You can uh, get the full story and current pictures of the car at Better Off Dead Camaro. Com. So this movie, I mean, you know, it didn't do a lot of business, just $10.3 million at the box office when it came out. But it's become such a cult classic that it's had an impact on other things in pop culture. Some of the places that this movie has been referred to or parodied include The Simpsons, Family Guy, South Park, NCIS, nice. Gilmore Girls, Workaholics, Jeopardy and Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. So this is something that is definitely out there and, and in the public's consciousness. Well, when you have such, you know, classic quotes from it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so we both did a little bit of research about this movie when we, we decided we were going to be talking about it. Was there anything else that you found that we haven't covered? Well, I remember from the Steve Holland interview when, you know, he was talking about it being, you know, autobiographical and, you know, the breakup with the girlfriend. It actually was a little sad to me because he mentioned that the way John Cusack just kind of dissed it just was so out of left field. Mm -hmm. He said that it, you know, reminded him of going out with a girlfriend and you think everything's great and out of left field, she oh, breaks no. up with you. And he said that he that really depressed him for a while and he almost wanted to stop making movies. Oh, wow. I mean, because apparently, well, when you're working with a friend and you sure. think you're doing something together and then they turn around and say that to you and then just walk away. And the only reason Cusack finished One Crazy Summer was because he was under contract. Right. You know, I, I thought that was really sad. It is, especially when you think about this movie bringing so much joy right. to, to so many people. It was probably a huge catharsis for him, yeah, this movie. Exactly. Getting it written down and acting it out and just making it totally absurd. Yeah, and exactly. I don't, you know, I don't see any of the problem with absurdist comedy. I had read an interview with Holland, too, and he said that when they were making the movie, they had so much fun during the filming. Like, they were laughing, and they were just having a great time making the movie. So, like you said, he was really caught off guard mm -hmm. when Cusack said, oh, I hate you. You really, you know, you really screwed me. Here. Yeah, and I can't imagine because Curtis Armstrong had said, just reading the script, he knew how funny it was going to be. Mm -hmm. So it's not like um, John Cusack didn't read the script. Exactly. And it's not. And apparently, you know, now that I've read that he was watched the dailies every day and he was in on the editing, how could it be a surprise? And as a viewer, I don't watch this movie 
especially knowing what he's gone on to do, like some of the serious roles and, and things like that. He's a great actor. I oh, love definitely. John Cusack. Yeah, no. I, I really, I think he's done a lot of great stuff. But I don't watch him in this even now and go, oh, what a buffoon. No, like I don't watch no, him in this all. and feel like he should be ashamed of this in any way. This is a fun movie. It is because, you know what, comedy is a skill. Absolutely. Just because someone can do drama and be a great dramatic actor doesn't mean they can do comedy. That's right. But the other way around. If though. someone can do comedy and be a good comedic actor, there's a real good chance they can do drama too. There's a lot of examples. Robin Williams is the first one that mm-hmm. comes to mind. Jim Carrey. Yep. It takes a certain amount of skill and timing to do comedy. Exactly. It's really, really difficult. Yeah. You know, and if I were John Cusack, I'd be proud of it. I don't Absolutely. see anything wrong with that. We got to get to, we got to like meet up with John we Cusack. We got to talk to this boy. And smack some sense in his fucking That's head. Right. <laughs> oh, you went there. That's you had right. to do it. I had to do it. I just grab him and shake him and say, Cusack, this is a good movie. You should be proud of it. What's wrong with you? So, uh, yeah. Well, listen, uh, <laughs> hopefully before he checks out, for good, John Cusack will make peace with himself about this movie and Savage Deep Holland. As he should. Life's too short, John Cusack, if you're listening. I'm sure he is. So if you have any thoughts or screen facts of your own about Better Off Dead, let me know about them. And please, if you have any thoughts about the podcast in general, I really would love to hear from you. You can email me at screenfacts at yahoo.com and include your name and where you're from if you don't mind me talking about your feedback in a future episode. Also... Please rate, comment, and subscribe, and check out my website, jasondavisvoice.com slash podcast, if you want to get info about Screen Facts merchandise, baby. Merchandising. Merchandising. Check it out. Thanks so much for listening. Honey, thank you for joining me again. And you know what? I was thinking about it. You're, you're still having fun doing this with me, right? Oh, yeah. I'm loving this as long as people are okay with it. Why wouldn't they be? I don't know. The next couple of weeks, there's a couple of movies that I, I would like to talk about on this podcast that I think you would be uh, a good person to discuss with. Really? Yes. You want to know what movies? Sure. You know what? I like it to be a surprise, though. I don't know. Isn't it more fun, do you think, for the listener of this podcast to uh, to be surprised by what movie is coming out? Like, if I tell you what, what's coming in the next couple of weeks and you're not a fan of those movies, then you're going to be like, Ugh. Oh, that's true. All right. I'll tease it. Okay. I'm not going to give you anything about the movies other than to say this. Next week's movie is another cult comedy classic, all right? And the week after that is a huge blockbuster, all right? Okay. Is that good? That sounds good to me. Okay, and and we'll talk about them together. Okay. My lovely wife, Sue, will be back with me the next couple weeks. Join me every Wednesday. You're stuck with me, folks. (laughs) For a brand new episode of Screen Facts with Jason Davis. John Cusack, if you're out there listening, just let it go, honey. Let it go. 